Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know. It is Christmas. Welcome to the show. It's Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. And you're one of the lucky ones with me today. Maybe you're with me because you pulled the short end, the short stick, short end of the straw, and you're working. Uh, maybe you're making some extra cash today because it's a holiday. Maybe you don't celebrate Christmas, um, although I think we're timed with Hanukkah, too. Maybe um, you don't believe in anything to do with babies, stars, mangers, donkeys, or long, crazy shopping lines around this time of year. Totally get that. You know, almost every religion in the world has some kind of festival of lights in the darkest days of the year. If we go back to our anthropological past, this time of year was a scary time. The days were short, dark, often cold, depending what part of the globe you lived on. Uh, the thought about where food was coming next uh, was on everybody's minds. So we huddled together as people, as families, around fires, and we shared what we had left, what nuts and roots and protein we had stored. And this is why, over the holidays, we commune together at tables. And in fact, the human species is all about community. Our social support system is paramount to our physical health and our mental health. So if you're alone today, I want to encourage you to reach out, to write an email to someone who had an impact on your life once upon a time, to call a relative you haven't talked to in a long time, to get connected in some way on this day. Don't feel left out. Reach out instead. During today's show, you are going to hear a, well, around KFI, they call them the best of shows. Um, and that's because it's Christmas Day and I will be with my family. Our Christmas tradition is kind of interesting. Now, I was just full disclosure. I was raised blooming Irish Catholic. I didn't even realize that we were, quote unquote, staunch Irish Catholic until I learned that not everybody goes to school on Sunday and that not everybody has nuns as teachers. <laughs> um, although I'm sure the Catholic Church, because, uh, you know, I'm a human being and I fall into the same kind of relationship stuff that the rest of us fall into. We're outliving some of our relationships. Um, and as a divorced Catholic, if they knew about it, they'd probably excommunicate me today. Um, so, I, I, you know. I like the ritual and the ceremony every once in a while, and I especially love Christmas. I love the food and the community and the fires and candles and music and coming together. It's uh, important to me. And it is far less about the presence and much more about a chance to be together. Our family Christmas tradition is to spend Christmas Eve doing most of the celebrating. When I was a little girl in dark winter cold nights on Christmas Eve, my parents would sit us around the fireplace. There were three of us in the family and um, we would make milkshakes of all weird things in the middle of the winter milkshakes. But I guess we rarely got to have such an amazing thing. There was no thing, no such thing as soft drinks and sugar water in our house. So milkshakes were this big special thing that my dad would get out the, uh, it was before blender. So what did he, I guess he used a mixer or something. And uh, ice cream and milk and mixed it together for us. And he put a straw in it and he'd sit them on the hearth of the fireplace. They would be quick to milk. It'd melt if we didn't grab them quickly. 
And we would sip our milkshakes. We would have the fire going. And we'd be in our warm pajamas. And I think my mother might have a little glass of sherry. And my father would open the Bible. And he would read the Christmas story from the Bible. That was our family's Christmas Eve tradition. And then, the best part for kids, we were allowed to open one Christmas present. Just one. And you know, we spent weeks shaking packages around that Christmas tree. Watching parents sometimes wrap a present for another sibling. And we had suspicions about which were the good gifts and which weren't. And I'll never forget one year, my brother was, uh, you know, sort of a young teen and into rock, like heavy metal rock. And he saw what was clearly a record album wrapped up. And we were like, he was like, I'm definitely going to, that's going to be my present for Christmas Eve. We all wanted that first present and it was going to be the best one we would choose. And my little brother and I were like, no, don't do it. Because we knew it was just Elvis Presley's Christmas album. (laughs) And he was like into Motley Crue or something. And that was a huge disappointment. But we watched him open that present and get disappointed. (laughs) Uh, And then we would go to bed with our happy little one Christmas present, whether it was the good one or the bad one, and get up very early. And then, of course, more presents would show up around the tree because there were the extra ones delivered by Santa Claus, of course. Um, And... On Christmas morning, we spent our day in pajamas for most of the day. Now, my parents would take us to Mass, and they would cook a big roast beef dinner or a turkey dinner in the afternoon. But today, with my own children, we do the Christmas Eve tradition. I have friends over. Um, I have a number of friends coming over, other single moms with their kids. And I cook a dinner. That's when I do the work, Christmas Eve. I make it beautiful. I have music, candles, fires. And we maintain my the tradition of my family of origin. We exchange one gift among each other on Christmas Eve. But Christmas morning, I guess I did away with all the mass and the big turkey dinner thing. It's all about staying in the Christmas pajamas. And we literally, if you're listening to me right now, I'm at home in my Christmas pajamas. And we stay in them from morning until night. And we eat a lot of chocolate. And we eat leftovers from the big meal that I'd made the night before. And we let the house get messy. There's no cleaning up on Christmas Day. So right now, I want you to know I, I'm thinking about you. But I'm sitting in my jammies. My favorite drink in the evening is a Spanish coffee. Coffee with a little bit of Irish whiskey. Or I think Irish coffee. A little bit of Irish whiskey and whipped cream. And I'll be there in my pajamas with lots of wrinkled up Uh, wrapping paper around me and I'll be thinking about you and thanking you if you're working today for doing the great job you do and telling you that during the rest of the year if you're alone tune into my show because I speak to you and I want you to have healthy and happy relationships thanks for listening on Christmas and the rest of my show is coming up I'm Dr. Wendy Walsh Friends and friendship. This is Dr. Wendy Walsh on KFI AM 640. You know, what I'm about to say applies to our romantic relationships too. Because what I'm really talking about are boundaries. I was raised Catholic, Irish Catholic, a cradle Catholic, which means from the cradle on up. Now I think I've become a, what do they call them? Weddings, funerals, Easter and Christmas Catholic. Um, But my mother always taught me to think about somebody else's feelings first. And to, above all, never be selfish. You know, our role model in life was Mother Teresa. That's really who we should all aspire to be. One of the saints. Giving, giving, giving. And I believe, and I have said on this show, that... Love is simply the verb to give. However, once I became a parent, I learned that being a love blob to a child and trying to make sure that my child was happy all the time wasn't the best thing for a kid. That kids thrive with some structure, with some boundaries, something holding them, a container, 
the word no. I don't mean putting them in a container. <laughs> I mean an emotional container, the word no. And they learn when they take their meltdown tantrum because they cannot have ice cream right before dinner, that they can survive their own feelings, that they're not going to end up on a college campus as a snowflake uh, worried about trigger words and thinking of the world being out to get them. There's some inner strength that comes when we hear the word no. So we enter adult romantic relationships. We enter adult friendships. And we want to be a good friend. I want to be a good friend. I want my friends to be happy. On the other hand, if I live for their happiness, what happens to me? What happens to my feelings? What happens to my needs? Do they get repressed? Do they get acknowledged at all? And what is the motivation when we live to give to others? Is it really so that we will see their happiness? Or are we afraid they'll leave us? Are we just being nice because some of the other benefits they give? Or do we really care about their happiness? Well, I would like to posit that if we care about our friend's happiness, it means we need to stand by and tolerate their distress sometimes. That saying, it's really been ringing in my head a lot this week. You can always recognize the person who lives to help others by the look of anguish on the faces of the others. In a way, we give permission for our friends to not stand on their own two feet sometimes. In a way, we enable them, we give permission for them to be helpless. It's called learned helplessness. And some people go through life with what I call a dependent personality. And they really look to others to help them all the time. And they're feeling like the world all the time bad things are happening to them. They don't take personal responsibility for any of the things that could be happening. And sometimes these are very sweet people. And they're very nice and they're very helpful. But they are living in the archetype of victim. They really believe they are a victim. And you meet them, and they're a really nice person. You work with them. You take a Pilates class with them. Um, they're a friend from a long time ago, a historical friend. So because you've been committed to this friendship, when all that bad stuff, I'm making quotation marks, that happens to them happens, you want to be there to help them. But is that always the best way to be a good friend? And here's the other nutty thing. Somebody who is accustomed to constantly being kind and nice and loving, when they first try to erect boundaries, there's actually some ambivalence. There's some critical voice in their head that says, you're being selfish, you're being selfish, don't do that. you got to be helpful to that other person. You know, maybe it's a sin what you're doing. You're not out there helping that person. You're thinking about yourself. You're being selfish. And they hear that voice in their head. And then they have a bit of ambivalence. And whenever we have ambivalence, we go from being a jellyfish to a brick wall. And so we end up erecting a boundary that is angry and defensive. When in fact, we can love ourselves, love our feelings, love our decisions, and with love, say that magical word, no. No, you can't have the ice cream before dinner, honey. No, I'm sorry, I can't go to this event because I have many other things that I'm doing on this day that are very important to me. No, I can't lend you that money. No, I, I'm sorry, I can't drive you there. I want to help, and I can't today. Not today. Think of the word no as not, I'm shutting out this friendship forever. No, I don't love you. But rather, not today. Today, I'm going to love me. One of my favorite sayings is that old oxygen mask saying, that you have to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help someone else. And what that means is there will be times when people will need you, but you will be hungry. You will be tired. You will need some time alone to recoup. You need time to exercise. 
You need time to get a good night's rest. You need time to just take a hot bath and read a book. And it's okay to say no. Because if your friend is a true friend and they love you, then they will understand. They're not going to ratchet up the guilt. And if they do ratchet up the guilt, then they're not a true friend. I'm thinking about this because it actually happened to me. I have two dear friends who are a couple, and he was having a birthday. And they, and happy birthday to Lawrence. Uh, and this morning there was a, uh, you know, a, a brunch uh, with tequila that I couldn't, of course, partake in on my way to work. Uh, and I flew in from Miami, had not seen my daughter for two days, and the, she wanted to go to this movie, this Mrs. Pereg- Peregrine, how do I say this, this Tim Burton movie? It was creepy, by the way. I'll just add it. The trailer did not represent the rest of that movie. The trailer seemed like this sweet childhood wonderland going to visit this home for peculiar children, and it was loving. No, it was about monsters that pick out children's eyes and eat them. Okay? It was Tim Burton. So anyway, then I had to go to the movie with my daughter, so we didn't get in until after midnight. And I knew this was coming up. I looked at all the things I was doing and thinking about my body. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. And flying on a red eye and then flying back the next day and everything I had to do. And I thought, I'm not going to make that birthday brunch, especially because I like to prepare. I like to prepare for the show, you know, before I come here and talk to you. I like to read a little bit, think about things. So I called them and I told them I loved them, especially the birthday boy. And I said I wanted to find another way to celebrate with them. And what was fascinating is, of course, they were a little disappointed and they were understanding. But I got the sweetest text from her, the fiancé, the next day even, and just saying, I hope you're having a great weekend. Uh, we're so looking forward to celebrating with you on another time. In other words, she was saying it's okay to take care of yourself because that's what a true friend does. So I want you to think about how you can have better boundaries in your relationships. And if the fact that you're saving everybody is really healthy for you, and whether you're really saving people by saving people, or are you giving them permission to be helpless? It's okay for our friends to struggle, as long as you're there with the safety net when it really comes down to it. And if they do, ratchet up the guilt. Don't play into it. Self-love first, your own oxygen mask first. When we come back, I've got some habits that only happy people have. The more of these habits, the happier you'll be. So let's all be happy together. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show here on KFI AM 640. Don't worry. Be happy. It's Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. Do we talk about happiness? It's this elusive thing that I think all of us are seeking. But I want you to understand something. Happiness is one of a whole rainbow of human feelings that we run through in the course of a day. Some people run through in the course of an hour, sometimes a minute, (laughs) as we switch emotions. But there's also something that I call baseline happiness. Some of us are filled with background anxiety. Negative voices in our heads that might have come from critical parents, trauma in our childhood, worry. Some of that is biological. You know, we're all born with a certain certain genetic predisposition to feel more depression and anxiety. Some people just go through life even keeled. It's amazing when I meet those people. But 
happiness is something that we can have some power over every once in a while. And we can shift our baseline happiness up a little bit by doing a few things. Researchers in the area of positive psychology have been looking at the science of happiness. And if you are a modern capitalist American, you might assume that it's all about having the life. It's all about stuff. If you only had a little more money, a slightly bigger house, a slightly better car, then you would feel happier. Well, the research doesn't point to that. The research, in fact, shows that financial gain only adds to happiness if it takes you from poverty into the middle class. But somebody who makes $50,000 a year and somebody who makes $50 million a year, same amount of happiness, same amount of depression and anxiety. It doesn't really move the needle very much at that point. Now, obviously, if you're moving from poverty into the middle class, your happiness is partly because you're having food and shelter, and that affects your neurobiology because your body's happier. Well, what are the things that positive psychology say? Now, I I just want to give you a tiny little bit of background. So, you know, when psychology grew up, it was all uh, Sigmund Freud and Jung and um, Melanie Klein, and they looked at a lot of neuroses. They looked at disorder because they were trying to figure out what mental illness really was. They looked at the mind-body connection. Was it psychosomatic? Was it a, 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 you know, a disturbance of some sort? And, of course, now we're at a place where um, even those who have no mental illness can get a lot of benefit from going to psychotherapy. Talk therapy can really help us grow as an individual. I often say that therapy doesn't make you happy. It makes you real. And when you're authentic and real and you mess up, you can say, darn, I messed up. Sorry. And you can tolerate the feelings of embarrassment or shame. And that gets you a little closer to happiness. Just having a stronger inner core. Therapy can also help erase the negative inner voices inside you and replace them with positivity. And so out of this, in like the 1990s, I believe, uh, when Martin Seligman was the head of the American Psychological Association, grew this thing called positive psychology that became a movement that focused on individuals, not neuroses, not disorders, but growing an individual's strengths. Growing your strengths will get you feeling a lot better, a lot faster than wallowing away, wallowing away crying about what happened in your childhood. Not to say that there isn't value in that sometimes, but there are some positive things you can do and grow your strengths. So let's talk about some habits of healthy people or happy people. Well, I guess kind of one and the same always. Happy people. There's some things they do. One is they tend to have close relationships. They have close friendships. They have close uh, romantic relationships. It doesn't matter how large that network is. In fact, sometimes people avoid closeness by having such a big social network, and they're not actually intimately close with anybody. They spend time alone in a crowd. But people who are happy talk about good intimacy skills, being able to connect with somebody. The other thing they do is they cultivate kindness. People who volunteer or people who just care for others on a consistent basis, seem to be happier and less depressed. Now, again, my last segment, I was talking about over-caring and enabling. That's a little bit different than being strong inside yourself, having put on your own oxygen mask, and being able to reach out and give because you have an abundance of love in your heart. The love first is spread over yourself, and there's so much left over that you can share. Actually, I read some research once that compared... Two groups of depressed patients, one were asked to take an SSRI, an antidepressant. The other were asked to do a number of random acts of kindness every day. The kindness people did as well as the antidepressant group. Interesting. The other habit that so many happy people have is exercise. Now, there are real neurobiological um, reasons for this, that getting blood flow to the brain increases endorphins, increases the feel-good hormones. It just puts you in a better mood. You know the old adage, sound body, sound mind. 
They're all connected. Our mind is not separate from our body. The other thing that happy people find time to do is find their flow. Now, what is their flow? Athletes know. Athletes know there's that minute where your mind is not even involved. It's such an automatic thing as you're flowing, whatever that, uh, whether it's cycling or swimming or running or skiing, I get flow when I ski, that feeling where you can't think about anything else except the mountain. There's no time for stress. I also get flow when I write. I can sit at my computer when I'm working on a piece of creative writing, and I'll blink my eyes and eight hours will go by because I've been in flow. Time just escapes me. Time doesn't matter. You know, the other thing happy people do is they have some form of spiritual engagement, some form of meaning. Now, when I say spiritual engagement, I don't necessarily mean religion. I was listening to a podcast the other day with a guy who wrote a book called, uh, I should try to get him on the show, called Religion for Atheists, where he was raised as an atheist. His parents were very scientific, and he was so against organized religion until he had a crisis of the unfaithful. And he said, wow, people with religion get community. They get kick-ass art. They get ritual. They get the smell of incense, the taste of bread and wine. All of a sudden, he's like, there's some goodness in that. And so he actually started to attend church as an atheist to take advantage of all the other things. And he doesn't think of himself as a hypocrite. He sees the metaphor. But having some form of spiritual engagement contributes to happiness because we discover the greater meaning in our lives. We discover a deeper kind of happiness. When we come back, quick ways that you can boost your relationship with pretty much everybody in your life. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh on KFI AM 640, where I talk about our relationships with each other. Of course, our most important relationship is the relationship we have with ourselves. Are we kind to ourselves? Do we forgive ourselves? Do we let ourselves be that perfect, imperfect adult? Because that's what we are. Here's a few relationship hacks for you. These are ways that you can almost instantly improve your relationships. If you have a romantic partner right now, I want you to stop and give them a hug. And make that hug last at least 20 seconds Because if you touch in this way, your body will boost oxytocin and dopamine and your attachment and pleasure hormones will all just feel so good. 60-second hug, all the better. Why don't you send your partner a sweet text, especially something that might be about a fond memory you share? Remember, keeping your mind aware of why you fell in love in the first place helps the relationship thrive. Send a text about some great trip you took, some date you were been on, some restaurant you went on. I'm not talking well tonight, and I'm a, to- a radio talk show person. I'm all over my tongue. Um, how about your friendships? Have you called all your friends? Are you nurturing them, tending to them? If you want your friendships to stay alive, it's a garden. you got to water it. you got to fertilize it. Send them a text, a thoughtful email or text, thanking them for their friendship, thanking them for something they've done, letting them know. You love them. It's so important. And with kids, oh my gosh, kids are so easy to get them to turn around and love you back. Put a cute note in their lunchbox tomorrow. Put a heart on it, a smiley face. Yeah, print out an emoticon. They love those. Uh, Or emoji, sorry. Uh, Put lipstick on your lips and give your kid a little kiss on the cheek so they walk around with mom's kiss on their cheek. That's always really cute to do. Um... Take a little extra time tomorrow morning or tonight when you're doing dinner with your kid and set the table really pretty. Put a little stuffed animal or a flower. Cut the food into animal-shaped something. I have those animal-shaped, uh, uh, what do you call it, pancake makers. So the pancakes come out like dinosaurs, etc. cetera. Uh, always tell your kids how great they are. You know, critical parenting is parenting of the past. Don't be stuck in the 1950s and 60s. Today it's about praising your kid and listening to your kid. And when your child fails, it's not about blaming them, blaming the teacher, 
blaming anything. It's about asking them, what could you do different next time? What you learn from that? Letting them know that you're on the team with them. Okay. Uh, do me a solid and go hug the person you love. Here's a little Dr. Wendy prescription. A few things that you can do today to help your relationships be stronger. Um, first of all, if you do have conflict and you have to have conflict in relationships, it's two people and the two people have their own uh, view of the world. They have their own separate boundaries. They have their own separate expectations of the relationship. If you don't step on each other's toes once in a while, you don't have intimacy. Sorry, but you're going to have conflict. The conflict should be followed by healthy repair. However, my advice is to move on quickly. Fights are going to happen. And it's important that you apologize, that you are quick to forgive, that you don't always point the finger of blame, that you don't keep score, and that you're able to take responsibility for your mistakes. It's not a healthy repair if you're always just blaming your partner and never saying it was you. Because these fights will drag on or they will build up tension. And being angry or pouty for hours, not cool. This is causing injury that will make the relationship worse. So move on quickly is prescription number one. Prescription number two, this is often the hard one. Love yourself first. It's really tempting to throw yourself into a relationship and completely lose yourself. But when you do, you lose your individuality, you lose your confidence, and your partner probably loses respect for you. You need to have a sense of self. You know, when you own your own no, when you can say, no, I actually don't want to go there, and you don't have to say it with anger or defensiveness. It's just, nah, I don't really feel like doing that. That's loving yourself first. Loving yourself first means taking care of your body, not polluting it with drugs and alcohol and tobacco, um, eating healthy, getting exercise. It's not your partner's job to keep you in shape. It's your job to keep a healthy body to enter and stay in this relationship. But you've got to learn to love yourself first. Third little prescription from Dr. Wendy today, be honest. The truth is the foundation for every intimate relationship. The truth builds trust. Don't be afraid to be honest, to be vulnerable. Nothing worse than dishonesty and deception. People have said to me, Dr. Wendy, don't you think it's okay to have some secrets from your partner? No. Unless the secret is that you actually don't like some of their habits and you, your choice is to nag them all day long about them or accept, keep it a secret. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And accept. Um, otherwise, you have to have a commitment to honesty, and both people have to have that to have a long, happy relationship. All right, prescription number four. Have fun. Remember why you got together. Do some things that are different and out of the box. Let your inner nerd come out, your inner dancer come out. Laugh. This is medicine for the brain that will keep your relationship strong. You know, Freud said, the grandfather of psychotherapy, said the only two defenses against psychic pain are sublimation, where you take your pain, you find somebody else who has the same pain, and you tend to them, thereby tending to yourself. It often happens with people who have overcome addiction, right? They become addiction counselors. People who have had traumatic childhoods help to alleviate 
uh, child violence or domestic violence. So the other is humor, though. Humor is a defense against psychic pain. And a good sense of humor and a good fun time. Just laugh. Sometimes when things get crazy in my household, I pretend we're in an SNL skit. And I stand outside and I watch. And I'm like, I can't believe we're saying this and doing this. Number five, be willing to grow. That means encouraging your partner to personally grow. To try, be open to new things. We human beings beings thrive on change. Be flexible. Understand that your partner's going to grow and change and follow them with it. You might learn something. And if you want to do something different, bring them along. It's not like, oh, I need to go and find me now. I'm sorry, I must take two months off on this relationship and go climb a mountain and meditate. I've got to find me. No. Say, let's go. Let's go find something neat and interesting to do. And finally, challenge your partner. What makes a couple successful is actually their ability to challenge each other. If your partner feels like you're dragging them down, this relationship's not going to last. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. You've got Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. What is love? We love to talk about love on this show. The other day I was driving along with my 24-year-old nephew. He's a DJ producer. Who produces EDM music, a genre called trap. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I know he plays it sometimes, and I'm like, ah! And all I know that I'm supposed to say every time is, sick drop! That's what I've learned to say. If I just say, sick drop, then he gets all happy. And I'm like, okay, good. So uh, he's staying with me as he makes his way in the L.A. music scene, and he's a treat. But as we're dropping, driving along, I was saying something, he was, I was saying something about somebody I knew who eats in a restaurant every day of their life, every night, and a, a single person. And uh, he was like, that's ridiculous. And I said, no, actually, he had a really emotionally avoidant mom who kept this really, she had a little OCD and kept a totally clean kitchen and never really cooked for the family. And so this is kind of what he knows. And he's like, why do you have to analyze everything? And because like he thought I was judging or saying that that's a negative. And I said, you know, when you listen to music, don't you like to listen to all the layers and know how that uh, composer made that sick drop, right? Uh, I said, it's the same thing. I don't judge it. In fact, by analyzing things, it actually gives me more compassion for people. It makes me understand, like, oh, I get it now. And then he said, but you think psychology is everything. And I said, yeah, psychology is Everything, everything on the planet, because what psychology is, is our biology meeting the environment and the most impactful environment that we have are our primary relationships, our most intimate relationships, beginning with the family of origin relationships where we learn how to relate good, bad or ugly. And then we go and apply those uh, ways and means to our adult romantic relationships and do the same stuff all over again until we peel back the layers and see what's really going on. I want to remind you, you can follow me on social media, uh, everything, a bunch of Facebook pages, Instagram, Twitter. It's all there. It's all doctor at Dr. Wendy Walsh, just D-R-W-E-N-D-Y, like Peter Pan, Walsh, W-A-L-S-H. Um so anyway, I believe that our psychology motivates pretty much anything we do in our life. But our relationships are really the sweet spot of where our psychology plays out. It's where we're trying to uh, relive some of our early childhood conflicts, believe it or not, trying to solve some problems this, this time. And one of the things people often ask me about relationships is, well, how do I know? Like, I, I you know, I like this person, or I... This is what I hear all the time. I love my husband, but I'm not in love with him anymore. Well, hopefully you're not feeling like that dating high of the first six months because that's Mother Nature's sneaky trick that got you to the altar in the first place. But it's not the thing that keeps you there. The thing that keeps you there should be the feelings of security and trust and a shared life together and the exchange of care. Relationships, if nothing else, should be an exchange of care. 
So when people ask me, should they break up, I usually rattle through the four or five things that I believe describe a toxic relationship. Okay, is there domestic violence? No, check. Is there child abuse or emotional abuse? No, check. Is there alcohol or drug abuse? No, check. Is there chronic cheating? No, check. Is your body getting sick in this relationship because the emotional abuse, abandonment, neglect is too severe? No, check. Okay, what you've got is a good enough relationship, and now you're responsible for 50% of that happiness. I like to say that couples should each put in about 60%, and then you got 120% of happiness, right? So it's your job. It's like when kids come up to parents and go, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And I look at them and I go, you know what? If you're bored, you're boring, right? So you have a stake in this relationship. It's the, you, the job of a relationship is not to make you happy. Let's make that clear. Happiness is baggage that you need to drag into that relationship with you because you're going to need to unpack those bags plenty of times. And you're, you are responsible for your happiness. You are. Nobody else. And if your relationship, however, is making you sick or making you unhappy, then you are responsible for deciding whether to leave or not. But let's talk about happy relationships for a moment that are not toxic because so many people were raised with an insecure attachment style in their family of origin, and they actually don't know what a good enough relationship is. All right, here's five quick things to tell if a good relationship from a bad. Are you free to pursue your hobbies and maintain your friendships? Is your partner controlling every minute of your life? Do you not have a break to go see your friends? You should not put all your emotional eggs in one basket. Gentlemen, listen closely. Men are more often to blame for that, and that's why they hurt the most after divorce and often take to drinking alcohol or they're blindsided by divorce. They, Instead of creating a really important social group around them, they put all their emotional eggs in one person. It's really, you know, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, very important, very important to your mental health, to your physical health. But they should not be your universe. You need to have other people. You need to have extended family You need to have friendships. You need to have good work relationships. And if your primary romantic relationship is not allowing you to have that support group, goodbye. All right. Uh, Question number two. Do you act differently around your partner? I mean, all relationships enliven a part of our personality. We're all a little bit different with everybody in our life. Uh, But are you on edge? Are you walking on eggshells? Are you trying to behave in a certain way so you can keep that relationship? This is not a healthy relationship. But in a good relationship, it should be the same. You should be basically the same person, no matter where you are. Um, is the exchange of care relatively equal? An exchange of care can be all kinds of things, you know, financial care, sexual care, uh, child care, domestic care. Um, but is it kind of equal? Or is one person doing all the work? If it's kind of equal, that's a healthy relationship. Are your differences being celebrated In healthy relationships, differences, like a difference of opinion, different hobbies, they're not supposed to be tolerated. They're supposed to be celebrated. It's cool. Two different people coming together. You learn from each other. All right. And the fifth thing to tell if you're in a healthy relationship or not, and it's the one I ask every time. Can you leave your cell phone unattended? (laughs) If you're locking your cell phone, if you're not trusting that person, Yeah, somebody's in trouble. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're back with the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show here on KFI AM 640. You can always keep in touch with me. Be nice, though, on my social media. Uh, my handle is always Dr. Wendy Walsh. That's D-R-W-E-N-D-Y-W-A-L-S-H on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm pretty open. Um, but be nice. All right. What makes a relationship successful? Because I think our definition of a successful, we, I think a lot of us think that any relationship we had in our past that didn't last until death do us part was a 
my fingers are making quotation marks, a failed relationship. And that's not always the case. Remember, human beings go through a mating cycle. Do you remember? Have you been listening to the Dr. Wendy lecture? Listen closely. It begins with competition for baits, then mate selection, and then mate guarding, and then hopefully not mate poaching, and then back into selection competition for mates again, and all across the lifespan. Now, anthropologists have always scratched their head trying to figure out why it is that a full 50% of our species tend to be monogamous, mating across the lifespan like those swans, um, and others who are monogamous because of our extra-long lifespans might have two or three long stints of monogamy with some dating life in between. And I will tell you this, there is a single life for everybody. So what is a failed relationship? In my mind, a failed relationship is one where you didn't learn anything about yourself. When you didn't grow, you didn't become a better person, you leave the relationship going, all women are crazy, there was just another one, or all men are nuts, there was just another one, right? You're blaming the other side instead of going, what could I do differently next time? Or how did I grow? So, you, you, you know, you can't avoid relationships. On the other hand, when we come back, I actually want to talk a little bit later about this, this idea of staying single for a long time. And is that okay? And are you avoiding relationships? Or are you actually a healthy single person? Because, you know, there's actually more, there are actually more single adults in America right now than married adults for the first time in history. I'm talking people over the age of 18. They're more single than married. So what defines a healthy relationship? It's one where you say, did I, did I end it well? Maybe you just learned to break up better in a more healthy way. Or maybe it was, you know, I learned that that's not the thing I want, but I'm going to narrow it this way, or I got to learn that I've got to do this more often in a relationship. If you're learning, then the relationship is successful. All right, single people. This idea came to me recently because I have my 24-year-old nephew staying with me for a few months. He's a DJ producer. I had to learn what that was, by the way. He makes a kind of music called EDM, a genre within that called trap, where he does some kind of dubstep and hip-hop mixed in with the trap in the EDM. See, I'm out of the demographic. He had to play it for me, and I was like, okay, that's that noisy stuff that's in my Pilates class. I'm always telling the girl to turn it down, okay? (laughs) I get it. So anyway, he's been sitting at his computer composing with headset on for a better part of two months now. And he does go out every once in a while to listen to EDM music, but he's not bringing girls home, you know? And I'm like, "Uh, so, like, you're 24. You're a young guy. Do you want a relationship? What's up? And he said, well, you know, I'm always leaving. He just got back from teaching English in Korea for two years. So for two years, he told women, yeah, you know, I'm leaving soon. I'm leaving soon. And now he's in L.A. He's like, I'm telling girls I'm leaving soon. And I'm thinking, is he avoiding a relationship? I do know that there are plenty of millennials who are, first of all, millennials are having way less sex than we did. That's just documented. Um I don't know how. Do they have cameras in their bedrooms and in their dorm rooms? I don't know. But somehow (laughs) they are having less sex than us, according to research. Who's on that research team? And um, because some of the things they're doing is satisfying their needs for connection, their needs for relationship through electronics. So they have all these online. In fact, when he came to town, he said, oh, yeah, I have lots of friends in L.A. And like weeks go by and I don't see any friends around. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, they're all online friends. I'm like, are they real? But then he started going out with them. And then a crew came out to the beach and uh, hung out with him. So, yeah, I guess there are real friends there. So my question is, is it okay to not have a relationship? If we are wired to reproduce, if in our anthropological past we have this urge to connect, we are wired to bond, we are wired to be together, is there something wrong if you don't? And the answer, of course, is no. Unless you're not entering a relationship because of fear of intimacy or fear of that someone won't love you enough if they see the real you. But if you have connected, healthy relationships in your life, like, for instance, before I got my boyfriend a year and a bit ago, um, I would I was a single mom for 12 years. But I was very connected, first of all, very securely attached to my own children. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Secondly, I had quite a large circle of other families that I associated and socialized with. I cook Sunday dinner quite often. KFI has made that go away. Just saying. Uh, We did it Friday night this week. Um, And I would have all kinds of multi-generations of people over to my dinner table, and it was a lot of fun. And I feel like I have really good relationships with my my extended family, my brother. My my parents have passed away. I can't see my parents. I pray to them, but there you go. Um, But I do feel like I have good, intimate, real, authentic friendships where I could call someone and cry on the phone, and and they would still love me, where I could call someone and ask them to drive me to the airport. I mean, that's a real intimate relationship if someone will do that for you. Um, of course, now that we have Uber, we don't need that. Also, in terms of sexuality, I want to remind people that there's no one right way to be human. Some anthropologists speculate that the evolution of the, shall we say, the gay gene happened because gay brothers and gay sisters hung around and helped in the raising of their nieces and nephews, protecting and providing for them, and probably decorating some really cute caves. And as a result, their genes stayed in evolution's chain through their sister's kids, through their brother's kids, right? And in the same way, not everybody always has a relationship. And in terms of sexuality, Plenty of people are asexual. Now, let's think about what asexual is. It could be that you physiologically or psychologically, because of trauma in early childhood, because of some medical problems, because of aging. There are plenty of reasons why people can't have sex, but they still want to have relationships. In fact, there are a number of dating websites out there for people who want platonic love. That doesn't mean they don't touch it doesn't mean they don't have closeness. It doesn't mean that they don't have, you know, um, their body doesn't emit dopamine when they touch another person, that skin-to-skin contact that's so important for our mental health. But isolation is a different kind of being single. Isolation, when you're just sitting alone with your computer, when you're not interacting with people, this is not what is healthy for our psyche. The research is pretty clear that people in long-term committed relationships actually live longer, have better health along the way, have less rates of depression and anxiety, and accumulate more wealth. So there are all kinds of reasons to have a relationship, but there are also times in your life where you want to be single. And that's okay, as long as you still maintain great connections. All right. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show here on KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640, Dr. Wendy Walsh here. You can always follow me on social media. I'm thrilled to tell you that my new producer, Stephanie Goriel, is actually really good at taking my phone and putting videos and pictures in there. So uh, you can follow me on everything. It's Dr. Wendy Walsh, just D-R-W-E-N-D-Y-W-A-L-S-H. Whether it's Twitter, Instagram, it's consistent everywhere. Snapchat. Snapchat now. Oh, my gosh. We Snapchatted a video. It's very exciting. You have to talk fast. You have to talk to young people. Yeah, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. (laughs) And then, okay, so the other day I was putting up a, a, you can put a still shot on Snapchat, right? And I was putting it up and with my 13-year-old, and she goes, okay, how long do you want to have it stay up for? And I said, I don't know, like 10 seconds. And she looked at me like I had three heads. And she's like, you would never leave a still shot up for 10 seconds. Like, that's an eternity. And, and I'm like, well, how long? And she goes, not more than three, Mom. And I'm like, please, do five. My my old friends take at least two seconds to focus before they even see who's in the picture. Um it so, all depends on what kind of shot it is. If it's a cute one, you leave it up for five. If it's just a quick, fun one, three, and 
Oh, there are rules to this. And the videos, they all disappear after 24 hours? Yeah. Is that the deal? If you got a filter on that you don't want people to screenshot, it's another three seconds. Oh, really? You yeah. can actually make it so people can't make a screenshot of it? Well, I mean, no one really has enough time to get pushing two buttons at the same time when you only give them three seconds. Oh, there's the insider stuff. <laughs> we were talking about whether our, so on the break, we were talking about whether our social media is public or private. And I make mine a hundred percent public across the board. And this is because I know I will get confused if one thing is private and what isn't. You know what a lot of millennials are doing now is they're having a separate fake Instagram called a Finstagram. And that's um, a private account with only their closest inner circle of friends where they don't have to be Photoshop perfect, where they can be crazy. They can write things that you would never say publicly out on the Internet and only their inner circle of friends see it. It's like they're sort of ooh, risky Instagram. But you were telling me, Stephanie, that you your Instagram is private. Yes. So I did have a public account when I first started it. But then I don't know, I just. Just kind of growing up and realizing that you can Google yourself and find photos on there. And when you're in the you industry. You know, if you Google me, you know what you can find? Other people who say they're me. <laughs> you know, like there was a woman in like black leather and chains, says Dr. Wendy Walsh under. It's not me. It's nothing to do with me. But I think she just wants to get the clicks. She was just trying to pitch a new idea for you. Yeah. New wardrobe. <laughs> and the reason why I keep everything public is I don't want to mess up and put something up there and think, oh, well, that's my private account. I'll put it there and I'll make a mistake. Every single thing I put up, even if it's a picture of me and my kids, I want everybody who's in the picture to approve of it before it goes up. And I want, um, you know, to know that the world can see it and that keeps me in line. So speaking of this, we're heading into the holiday season. Now, historically, when you wanted to announce publicly that you were in a relationship, there were all kinds of ways to do it, and there were good reasons to do it. One of the reasons why people visually self-identify as being in a relationship is to keep mate poachers away, right? I mean, there's a lot of competition for mates, and once you got a mate that you're proud of, you want to be able to let the world know, he's mine or she's mine. Stay away. Did you know I read this research study? that showed that when men buy their wives really expensive jewelry, those men are less likely to be hit on by other women. All goes back to money, doesn't it, Josh? Those men are less likely to be hit on by other women. Interesting. You would think that they'd be like, oh, he's got money. He's buying her jewelry, which what is jewelry? It's an exhibiting waste, right? In our anthropological past, Guys could have fed their family on rabbits and squirrels, but they dragged back that big old woolly mammoth because they didn't have a fridge to put it in. If you couldn't eat it all, there was some waste. Waste is throwing away money, which says to women, I'm so rich, I can get you so much meat and protein and diamonds and beautiful cars that I can just waste it because I can always get some more. And that raises a man's mate status, right? Unfortunately, it doesn't work in the reverse for women. When women have a lot of money and they showcase it, it makes men kind of move further away, unless they're a you know young guy who just wants to take advantage of her money bags. Um, and so, interesting enough, if a guy is showing waste on his wife, women are less likely to try to poach him. Maybe it sends a signal that he's so attached to his wife and he really loves his wife that this is going to be a very hard target. Or maybe they're afraid of the wife because she has a lot of power. I don't. I don't know. So how do we? How do we, average people, showcase that we are in a relationship besides the big diamonds? Well, if you go all the way back to the 1950s, there was pinning the girl. Uh, in, in 60s and 70s, girls would wear a guy's class ring around their neck, right? It's all the same. When you get married and wear wedding bands, those are relationship status indicators. But today, you just have to post it on Facebook. And the question is, when do you do it? Well, Rule number one, you don't do it without the other person's permission, and you should both do it. You ever seen these couples where the girl shows in a relationship and the guy doesn't? That is interesting to me. Uh, so it's a conversation that's supposed to be had offline, first of all. Um, 
And there are people, however, who choose not to have their relationship public. I'm one of those. I don't, I mean, I talk about my relationship, but I don't like change the relationship status. I've been trying to analyze why that is. I have a boyfriend, but I don't do that in a relationship with a, you know, because I don't want the pressure. I don't want the pressure to stay together. I don't want the pressure of if we break up, how I've got to change it back and then everyone will know. And I, I, I don't want, and I am not a married woman. So I put, I think it's single or something, not in a relationship. Or maybe I put nothing up there. Um, but I think relationships are best if they're dealt with in private. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. Uh, we are bringing my weekly two-hour show to a close. I will be back on uh, Wednesday. Uh, at 1 o'clock on the Gary and Shannon Show. But before we go, I want to give you a little prescription that I came up with, specifically for prescription for getting through Christmas, or not just getting through, making the best of the holidays, whatever holiday you celebrate or don't celebrate. It is the darkest days of the year. Historically, our ancient peoples came together around fire and shared whatever morsels of food they had left until waiting for the spring to come. And this is a time where we're meant to be in communion with people. So unfortunately, because of our modern reality, families are living in different cities. They can't get together because of work obligations. People are expected to work right through holidays. Sometimes they can't get away. So I'm talking specifically to you how you can create the beginning of your own traditions and a sense of meaning in the holidays that goes above and beyond consumerism. If you don't have a table to be around over the holidays, reach out to people to make sure you get an invitation somewhere. You can do it quietly. You can say, hey, I'm not going to get home to see my family this year. Do you know of anybody who's cooking? You know, Um, And beyond that, cook yourself. You know, you're not alone. If you open your eyes and look around, you are going to find coworkers, friends, neighbors who also do not have a table to be at. And let me tell you, it's a very simple to boil some vegetables and roast some meat if you do that and just have people around the table. Create ceremony out of it. I'm a big one in making as many meals as I can with linen, china, silver, my mother's stuff, and making it... Uh, sort of a ritual, a ceremony for us. There's a lot of data to show that buying stuff doesn't make you as happy or the recipient as happy as giving and experiencing experiential gifts. One of the things I'm buying for my family, they're coming to visit from Ottawa, is one of those uh, escape rooms. You know about those, Stephanie? They're the cool thing now. Yeah. They're the new karaoke. I've never done it. They lock you in a room and you pay them money. You pay them money for them to lock you in a room that has a theme and clues, and you use your minds to try to break out. You have one hour to do it. It's not a small room, I hope, because I have claustrophobia. But um, So that's one of the things I'm doing. The other thing I did is wrote to the manager of my favorite restaurant, who I've never met, and asked could he do something special for my family and could we have a private dinner in their private dining room. And he made me a great price for that which was nice. Uh, we're also going for New Year's Eve. We're going to just go up to Santa Barbara where we know of a private beach where you're allowed to have fires on the beach. So instead of doing all that forced happiness at stupid New Year's parties and spending all that money, our New Year's Eve is going to be spent having a bonfire on the beach with s'mores. And, okay, we might boil up a few lobster inside in the kitchen. Um, but to have experiences with people, this will be the thing that brings you greater happiness and them greater happiness than yet another gag gift or yet another silly trinket from Costco. If you do find yourself alone, if you do find that you're feeling sad um, and depressed over the holidays, I want you to reach out to someone who once inspired you for a couple reasons. One is gratitude is really good for your soul and it will make you feel better, alleviate feelings of sadness. And it will remind you who you were then when you felt inspired. 
So whether it's a teacher that you remember from way back or any adult who was in your life when you were being raised, uh, whether it's a former coworker, a former parent friend from some team or group that you were involved in, somebody who inspired you, this is the time to reach out to them with an email, with a phone call to just say, hey, I've been thinking about you because it will enliven that part of your personality as well. I'm a big believer in volunteering and service, and I'm sure if you go online, you'll find a million ways, and the research is very clear, that random acts of kindness are as good for our psyche as taking an antidepressant. So as we head into the holiday week, whether you're celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or not celebrating a holiday, but just enjoying the season of lights and fire and food. I wish you a great deal of love. And in the new year, I wish you healthy and happy relationships. You're listening to Dr. Wendy Walsh. I will be here again on Wednesday with Gary and Shannon at 1 o'clock. And every Sunday from 4 to 6, thanks for being with me. You've been listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show here on KFI AM 640. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.